What's up, everybody? We're back with the Sports Inventory with your hosts, Ben Kuchipudi and... Favorite uncle, Tyler Graham. All right, so to this past week, we're recording this on the 26th, so this is three days later, but on June 23rd, we had a pretty important event happen in the NBA, and that is the 2022 NBA draft. And overall, Tyler, were you surprised or shocked at anything that happened in the draft, or were you just pretty content? There's a couple of uh, surprises. Definitely Paolo going number one. Uh, I thought the consensus was Chet was going to go to, you know, Disneyland. You know, I thought he was going to be their seven-footer over there. But I think Paolo's the most polished guy in the draft. So him going number one is no question, no contest. Um, I saw a lot of winners. I saw a lot of guys fall. I saw a lot of guys go sooner than they wanted. But overall, a lot of talent here. And this might be one of the strongest draft classes for a plethora of different reasons in my opinion, that we've seen in a minute. Yeah, I really like this draft. I I liked a lot of a lot of teams, in my opinion, had a very good draft. Um, out of the top three guys, Paolo Banchero, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith, I thought Paolo had the highest floor. So he was the safest pick for Orlando. But the crazy thing is, Jabari Smith was projected to be the first overall pick for them, basically up until an hour before the draft started. So I don't know what happened in Orlando's draft room, but I don't. If I'm them, and as an Orlando, if I'm an Orlando fan, I wouldn't be mad at all at Paolo. He's a spectacular player, and he's gonna slide in perfectly. And he's got some big shoes to fill at the with um, Orlando big men because they showed a graphic before their pick about how um, Dwight Howard and Shaquille O'Neal, both legendary big men, both went number one overall to the Magic. So Paolo. He's got he's got some pretty big shoes to fill. I have to say yeah, so no, for sure. Orlando has been a big man factory for a minute. They've always had a strong big man at the five for the longest time. Even you could argue Vucevic when he had his tenure there was always a decent guy. Vucevic was a good like center. He was a great center in Orlando. I always liked him there. Three and eleven. So the thing about it is, I love Paolo. I'm a Duke fanatic. Um, he was great in college. He's the most polished. He has a great. A post game, he can shoot the midi. He can even stretch the floor a little bit. I saw him take a couple of shots from the top of the key, drain them during the tournament. Um, the only downside to him would be he's a little handsy. Uh, he has to work on defense, and um, I think he's going to get into foul trouble early in a lot of games, especially against the better big men in this league. I agree. I think he'll fit just fine to a system that any coach can do. He's a phenomenal, you know, big man, and I think he's gonna be great, honestly. Yeah, we're gonna have to. I think he'll be great too. Also, he has the he has a medical issue. I think he lost. He loses uh what? It was seven pounds every game or something ridiculous. Yeah, he has like some that. condition where he loses seven pounds of sweat per game, so he has to drink like Michael's Secret stuff. You know, you'll see it on the bench in the Duke games. He has like this bottle. You know, it looks like essentia water, and it's like mm-hmm. has a certain liquid in it. At the end of the day. If he has his, you know, rhythm, if he has his little beverage, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you have. If you're going to drop those points, those rebounds, and, you know, make an impact on my team, go ahead. Yeah, and, yeah, this is going back to uh, Chad Holmgren. I know you said um, you expected him to go first overall. I didn't expect him to go first, but I thought that would have been a perfect fit for Orlando. You know, Chad is the freakish um build of a center seven foot one only 190 pounds but he's lanky he could stretch the floor he, he can handle the ball he reminds me of a little bit of a Kristaps porzingis type player and the big yeah, thing with him like the- and in orlando 
what could have made him a great fit there. Him and Jalen Suggs are childhood buddies. They played basketball together for years. They both went to Gonzaga. They didn't play together there, but they played together in high school and back in their uh, middle school days, actually. Uh, no, um, it would have been appropriate because the thing about any sport, whether it's basketball or football, if you have a chance to draft a guy while you already have a guy that has a connection with him, that just strengthens the idea of staying there, especially if you're a low-income team, you know, one of the smallest markets in the NBA. If you have a guy there that just gives an incentive for your new guy to stay, that's just better for you. But obviously something went down in the war room. Obviously, you know, something went down there. So it's okay. But Chet and OKC works. It's a great pick. But I'm I'm skeptical about Chet, though. I'm not the hugest fan of him. Um, obviously, the most apparent thing that everybody's talking about is his frame. You might be 7'1", 7 feet, but you're only 195, dog. Yeah. You know? And you can see the way he plays. It's very guard like. Go ahead, Ben. He plays um, he has like a guard like play at him. I know he um, he's he. I think he led the nation on blocks, and he gets a lot of rebounds, and he's able to score down low. But the way he plays, he handles the ball like a point guard, and he has a good vision too. But he needs to bulk up if he wants to keep keep up the pace with the better centers in the NBA. But that's what trainers are for. You get to um, change your diet a little bit, hit the gym, hit the weight room, and uh, bulk up a little bit. The thing about it is you have the best trainers in the world uh, at your fingertips here. And I know he's been playing at this frame, at this weight-to-height ratio his whole life, but the NBA is different. This is a grown man's league. Um, he's going to get bullied around a little bit. I think his blocks will follow. He'll still get those blocks, but I don't know. I just see him making um, some weird decisions in OKC, and that could hurt his team because sometimes he got carried away in Gonzaga. Um he was great in the defensive end, but some of his shot selection was poor, especially against better you know, defensive teams that they ran into in the tournament. So that's the thing. But if he figures it out, I think, you know, everybody against OKC is in trouble. Yeah, this, and that's the thing with the Thunder squad in general. You know, they're a extremely young, extremely, extremely young team, have picks up the wazoo. They're going to be having multiple first-round picks until, I think, 2028 or something ridiculous like that. And they're going to be able to develop that young talent. And if guys like um, Chet work out, there are two other rookies. They drafted Usman Deng and uh, Jalen Williams. And there are other young guys like Alex Alec Pokasevsky and Josh Giddy. You already have Shea Gillis-Alexander, who's a star point guard. You got Lou Dorr, who's a very solid player. And if, those guys, if the rest of those guys pan out... OKC could be looking like a very good team. Obviously, it's going to take some time, but we'll have to see how it goes. Oh, yeah. It's going to take some time. They basically have a preschool squad. Um, They can barely, you know, drink and drive, you feel me? So that's the thing about OKC. And it's also a matter of maintaining it because the danger of having younger guys is if something's not working out, they're either going to pursue a bag from you or they're going to leave to pursue championship ventures, especially if they're making an impact and it's not making the impact of the team on the Thunder. So, you know, they might control the next couple of drafts, but these are kids, you know, and once you enter the NBA, you're after two things, money and championships. Some get both, some get one, and sadly, some get none. And especially if I'm Chet, Giddy, Shea, some of these young studs that know can make an impact on a team, they might want to walk, they might want to, you know, collect a huge contract from the Thunder. So I think the front office in OKC is going to start buckling under their upkeep sooner or later. 
I agree with that. Yeah, you're going to have to pay all these guys at the pen now. You're going to have to deal with the younger guys have some big egos. You're going to have to um, try to balance all those down. You have to balance playing time because OKC's got a lot of young talent. And yeah, and it's like, you're who, gonna who are you going to develop? Who are you going to sit? It, that's the thing. Like, you have a bunch of guys that want to prove themselves in this league and want to develop into these great Hall of Fame players that they dream of playing. But everybody has that same mentality in OKC. You don't have, like, a veteran there to be like, okay, I'm going to have this job, whatever. Everybody's still trying to find their role, you know? I'm example, so, like, Chet Holmgren, right? He might come into the league and develop into just to a shot blocker guy that you can hit low post shots. That might be his job for the rest of his life. We don't know. But a lot of guys in OKC have to find their footing, and it's tough as a coach over there to give those guys the limelight and also take away the limelight from other guys. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to see how everything works out at OKC. But enough about the Thunder. We could talk for hours about them and their talent. So with this draft, there were a few surprises. Definitely um, some people falling on. I think there were some people who rose a little bit too um, early. Who's someone, Tyler, who's someone you think um, could have went a little later? Who's the biggest uh, reach, you think, in this first round of the draft? I'll pick that came too early. Yes. Do you think? Yes. Um, let's think. I think the Shaden Sharp pick by Portland was a little off for me. Um, I'm not the super highest on Shaden Sharp uh, coming out of Kentucky. Um, after the, the uh, Jeremy Grant trade, I don't know what they're trying to do. It's weird, yeah. But I think he has an incredibly high ceiling. He's an awesome scorer at his size of 6'6", and he weighs 200. But I don't know. Like uh, He barely played in Kentucky. He didn't play in Kentucky at um, all. He didn't play a game. Yeah, so uh, I'm not the super highest on him. I, maybe it's like a Micah Parsons situation where it's like, oh, you know, out because of COVID, but comes into the league just ready. But... I don't think he fits well in Portland because without the ball in his hands, not super effective. And that team's already going to have two ball-heavy guys now with Dame, of course. And Jeremy Grant needs the ball in his hands to make an impact as well. So the Shaden Sharp pick is a little off to me, but prove me wrong, Shaden. I love you know seeing athletes pan out like this because you're a tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to pause this for a second here. We just got, just got word that the – Colorado Avalanche have officially dethroned the Tampa Bay Lightning to become Stanley Cup champions. Tampa Bay, obviously, two-time champs in a row before this year. So, shout out to the Avs, man. Had a phenomenal season. Phenomenal year. But moving on, going back to the draft, um, I thought the Shaden Sharp pick was a little more – was a reach, obviously, because, yeah, you, Portland, I, th- we th- I thought you were going to trade the seventh pick for someone like OG Ananobi, try to build your team around Dame. But I'm going to go a little higher in the draft. I think the Kings reached, not by much, but I think they reached um, a a little bit on Keegan Murray. I thought they were going to go Jaden Ivey or they were going to trade their pick. But Keegan Murray was a phenomenal scorer at Iowa. I think he led the nation in scoring. But I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about this pick for um, Iowa because Keegan Murray is classified as a power forward. And if you're Sacramento, you already have a little bit of a logjam at the four position. You got Damanis Sabonis, you got Harrison Barnes. But um, I don't dislike Keegan Murray as a player, but I just don't think Sacramento is the right fit for him. And we've seen in the past 15 years that the Kings have m- messed up like most of their first-round picks. Only a handful of guys have really panned out for them. 
Yeah, no. Um, everybody that's followed the Kings picked have gone on to have tremendous careers. You know, we know the infamous, you know, taking Tyreek and then and Dame came later and taking this guy and Clay came right after. Marvin so Bagley, the Luka. Yeah, maybe Jaden Ivan's going to be the guy, but I know Ivy made it apparent that he didn't want to play for the yeah. Kings. Um, and as an organization, um, there's always going to be a huge tension created if I draft a guy that doesn't want to play for me because his thought process first is not even to play on the court, but to get out of there. So obviously they were going to pass an Ivy there. They took a smart decision there, but who could have they picked instead of Keegan? Uh, maybe Benedict, maybe the sharp pick. I don't know. You just need a good pairing with Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. And I feel like if they did go Ivy, conflict aside, he might have conflicted somewhat with Fox. Um, maybe Benedict might have been a better fit. Shaden might have been a better fit. But um, the pick is, I think it's average. I think he, Keegan Murray is a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal scorer, arguably the best guy in college basketball or second best. But it's hard playing in Sacramento, and I feel like his talent is not going to be fully shown in Sacktown. Yeah, which is unfortunate because in Sacktown, yeah, they ha- they're notorious for um, ruining um, top picks um, early on. So hopefully Keegan can break that curse. I really liked him coming out of Iowa, so hopefully he can. He hopefully he can show a little something for Sacramento because God knows I they need it. So. I hope so. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the biggest reach. Who do you think was the biggest steal in this draft? I feel like there was a few we could talk about. Um, personally, for me, I have two. So obviously, I love Be My Warriors. And I think Patrick Baldwin Jr. was a steal. No bias, of course. No bias. But in high school, Patrick Baldwin had higher rankings than Jabari Smith. Yes. And Patrick Baldwin had injuries and, you know, an okay um, go at things in Milwaukee because his dad was a head coach. He obviously tried to make him stay. Didn't work. But I think he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, I think he has a pure stroke, uh, especially under the wings of Steve Kerr and probably arguably the greatest shoot- shooting front court, right, mm-hmm. NBA has ever seen. Um, he might just thrive. And with the motion play that they have, off-ball screen, stuff like that, and especially at a 6'10 frame, puts a little muscle on, he might be a very, very dangerous stretch for the Warriors. And he might just fit right in for their future plans with Kaminga, Moses, and Wiseman, and Poole. And this could have been a uh, – this will be a phenomenal pick. I could just see it. Yeah, I love Patrick Baldwin coming out of high school. I thought he could have been a top-five pick, but – Injuries had to say something else, and he played at a small school in Milwaukee, so maybe he didn't get as much attention as the other guys. But for me, my biggest steal, I have to go. Um, I have to go. Ty Ty Washington, honestly, he oh, went baby. a lot later than I thought. I thought he, I thought he could have been a top ten pick, but he didn't have a he didn't have an amazing season, and he definitely didn't show up in the tournament and their in their loss against St. Peter's and March Madness, baby. but. The Rockets getting him at 29 is phenomenal value. And you're look, Houston, you're a rebuilding team. You're trying to recuperate as many assets as possible. I'm sorry? Memphis might have got him. No, Memphis drafted him and then they traded him to Houston. Oh, I love Ty Ty Washington, but it's going to be tough in Houston now that you have guards over there, especially Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, and John Wall is probably going to be bought out or traded somewhere, but yeah, I think Ty Ty will get some playing time. He's a very talented player, and I think he can become 
at least his rookie, I think he could be sort of that microwave off the bench, similar to another Kentucky alum, Emmanuel Quickly from the Knicks. Hey. Yeah, and I think he's not the only steal, I think. I think the obvious one, I think. What'd you say? A lot of steals in this draft. Yeah, I think the biggest one that everyone had, no one expected A.J. Griffin to fall to Atlanta. Yeah, I, just, I saw him going like top thirteen. I he was phenomenal out of Duke, just being a defensive presence and arguably the best shooter in the draft. Very and, good shooter, and he's just he's just a plug and play player, three and D, and he's just awesome. He was awesome for Duke. He's gonna be awesome for the Atlanta Hawks, and I can just see Trey finding him and doing his things, and he just you know stopping popping it. Great pick. Great pick by them. I wanted my New York Knicks to pick him. I thought it would have been perfect for them, but, you know, uh, New York's going to New York. New York is going to New York. I also am a big fan of what Charlotte did because with their 13th pick, I thought they were going to go originally just Williams, but they ended up picking Duran and um, Kansas shooting guard, uh, also Natty Champ, went to the Cavs, and then they got Mark. So I wonder what Charlotte's going to do, though, because – they both pan out are they gonna play the four don't forget but d- don't forget jalen duran got traded to detroit oh that's right yeah he got traded in the three-team deal that the knicks traded kemba and jalen duran for nine million dollars in cast space so detroit had jalen duran oh well mark williams is is awesome yeah we talked about him going to charlotte in the first episode <laughs> and this is a phenomenal pick for them just fits perfectly you know yeah, no, Mark Williams is great. Um, sorry for, you know, my draft board here is a little behind here. But Mark Williams is phenomenal. And everybody needed Charlotte on their mocks and everything. Just pick a big guy. You no, know, just like they needed the five. They needed rim protection. They needed a lob threat. They needed hard screens. They needed a rebounder. And guess who does all of that very well? Mr. Mark Williams. Country? Exactly. And at 7'2", having the highest standing reach since Taco Fall at like 9 whatever, at 242 pounds, with a little bit more, more muscle on him, let me tell you, Ben, this guy might be a menace with, you know, LaMelo and Miles Bridges. I think I think he's going to fit just perfectly in Charlotte. He, might, he probably won't start right away, but I think with the right development and um, just refining the game, I think him and LaMelo is going to be a mean pick-and-roll threat for years to come. Here's the thing, though, with Kenny Atkinson pulling out of the Hornets head coaching gig, right? And Steve Clifford came back to Charlotte, actually. It's his second stint now. Okay, so what system is going to happen here? Because I think the system is going to make Mark Williams into the beast we want him to be. That's true. Because LaMelo is going to be LaMelo, right? He's going to pass. He's going to be flashy. He's going to be great point guard. Miles Bridges is going to be that insane athletic man, jumping, leaping, dunking, doing these things. And the rest of the team is going to follow. I think the system here is the most important thing for Mark. Because if the system doesn't showcase his athletic abilities and finish and touch around the rim, we're not going to see him pan out to the way we want him to pan out. Yeah, it re- yeah, it really does depend on the coaching with Mark Williams. Obviously, Coach K used him in a very phenomenal way that rose him to the top 15 of this draft. So hopefully, Steve Clifford can use him in a similar way that Coach K did. And I just want to see Mark Williams um get the most out of his uh, career. I always liked him coming out of college. And 
perfect fit, perfect pick for Charlotte. Now it's just up to them to um, use them properly. Exactly, exactly. And that's going to boil down to a lot of these teams. This this class is filled with just studs, hungry, chip-on-the-shoulder guys that lost years and, you know, looks through COVID. And, you know, they have, a, they have a lot to prove. Jabari Smith, one of them too. You know, it's sad to say that, you know, he never, you know, got to that natty at Auburn, but he has so much potential in all these things. But Houston isn't the brightest at developing their talent. They're mm-hmm. not. Nope. So that's the thing. You have all these same thing with Detroit. Jay and Ivy, a phenomenal basketball player. Phenomenal. Detroit isn't very good at developing their people. You know? Yeah. And you might have the next John Moran on your hands, Detroit, but if you don't play your cards right, either you're gonna lose him or waste him. You know? We'll see. We'll see. Like, there's so many guys in here, but the t- the good teams that acquired guys, those guys are going to be plug in players. They're going to be great. So, you know, it's going to be great. it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see what these guys do in the league. But moving on, we um yeah, there were teams who um a lot of teams I think had very good drafts. Who do you think um who do you think won the draft out of all these teams who played? Oh, who man, that's draft? tough because there's a I like. As it stands right now, there's so many good pickups. I don't think a team really necessarily made any terrible decisions. They always kind of pick the best available on the board. Oh, man, Ben, this is a tough one. I really think the Houston Rockets definitely are considered winners here. Um, you know, picking up Jabari Smith was phenomenal and stuff like that. Um, I think the Pistons landing Ivy at that was phenomenal. I think I, I consider that a win too. And landing Jalen Duran. Yeah. And also the whole Kemba Walker thing, you know, having this, you know, vet come in and do I mean he's for, you know, unfortunately for Detroit, they're most likely gonna buy him out. And unfortunately for yeah. Kemba. Yeah, so they're gonna figure out their stuff over there. But they set themselves up cap wise to pursue someone they need, such as the DeAndre Ian or even Miles Bridges coming up in free agency. Yeah, they they got money and they got young talent. Exactly. So if you pursue a young, proven guy like an Ian or Bridges, this team might be a team for the future. So I I see Detroit being a, a, an absolute winner here. Um, but like that's about it, really. I think I think Houston and Detroit are my biggest winners in my book. I'm going to have to agree. Detroit absolutely killed it. Absolutely great job by Troy Weaver and the staff. Getting Jaden Ivey to pair with Cage. He wa- Jaden wanted to be in Detroit. He only worked out with the Magic and the Pistons. So it looked like he was it looked like he was destined to be a Piston. And then getting Jalen Duran for basically a nothing honestly and Jalen Duran is his ceiling is as um he has no ceiling. He's just that um talented of a player, and they got some nice young pieces in Detroit. Cade Cunningham is obviously your franchise guy. Now you got Jaden Ivy in the backcourt. Sadiq Bay had a very good season. Now you got Jalen Duran. Isaiah Stewart is a solid big man. We have to see. You have to see what um you can get out of Killian Hayes still. And like you said, Tyler, they got cap space now. So. If they want want to sign someone like Miles Bridges or DeAndre, and they can do that, and I think a lineup of let's say let's play hypothetical, let's say it's the starting lineup of Cade, Jaden, Ivy, Miles Bridges, um, Duran, and Isaiah Stewart, and you have someone like Sadiq Bay coming off the bench. I think Detroit could possibly make a play in push the next season, or even 
same one and two, but Sadiq Bey starting at the three, um, whomever you deem fit to play the four, and then you get Aiton with that free free agency money. Either or. That could yeah. also be a very appealing lineup over there. And I think Dwayne Casey still head coaching, if I'm not correct, right? I think he is, yes. Okay. I think this is his last year, though. If they don't make, it, if they don't surprise teams, I think this is last year. Okay, so if when June thirtieth, which I'm not mistaken, is also free agency opening up. Yep. If the Pistons make a push for Aiden, I think under Casey's system, Aiden might thrive. You know, the thing about him going to the Suns, we saw him just be a shot blocker, rebounder, taking the occasional layup or whatever, having a very high field goal percentage, but never really pushing the offensive tempo in the post. Yeah, Casey changed that. I think Casey makes DeAndre Ayton the guy we saw at Arizona, who was back to the basket, drop step, hook, dunk. a little mid range. Also, that he never really used as the midi in Phoenix. Exactly because Monty Williams just wanted him to play the Tyson Chandler role when Chris Paul was his point guard in uh, for the Pelicans, right? Yeah, Florence, and or yeah, they never um they never used Ayton the right way. They called DeAndre Ayton coming out of Arizona Shaq with a jump shot. And we didn't see the jump shot on Phoenix. So hopefully in his next destination, if that's Detroit or somewhere else, they can utilize that jump shot that he had coming out of college because that's going to make teams change their game plan. Like I mentioned before, um, for any sport that matters, it's the coach and the system that could really show your potential. You know, there's, there's a few perennial athletes in all sports all time that no matter what coach you get, you know, they got drafted to, they just make an impact. You have LeBron or Magic or guys, stuff like Curry, like that. It's tough because a lot of these guys aren't at that stature, at least we don't know yet. And that's what happened to Ian. You know, he fell the cards. Monty Williams wanted to have that lob threat with Chris Paul role. And that's what it he, he's not meant for that. He's meant to dominate in the paint within the three-point arc that's where he was meant to dominate mm-hmm. and sadly that system in the suns underutilized him and he's realizing that and he's like i want out unless you pay me i want to go someplace that i can showcase my talents yeah so and he's perfectly deserving of that and Aiden, maybe you could say he's a little disappointed as the first overall pick, but he's shown his potential he's put up good numbers in phoenix and i have no problems with him wanting out of phoenix he he wants to get paid, but he also wants to show why he was the number one pick. And him being a potential star in a Detroit, it's gonna, it's just gonna make him. Uh, it'll just make him better, honestly. It'll just, um, he'll get paid because of that, and he'll just get a lot more recognition. The thing about Detroit is there isn't that one guy. That one guy was Jeremy Grant, right? But yep. he's obviously departed from the team. So now you have a plethora of young guys trying to be the face of the organization, including Cade, including Ivy coming in now, including Sadiq Bey, even young guys trying to make an impact like Luke Garza or even Carson Edwards that they have now. So you have these guys, and with the addition of Aiton, with obviously he's coming from a winning environment, he can come and change Detroit for the better. Yep, culture changer. guys like Cade and Ivy won't get the attention on defense if you have an Aiden because Aiden changes things. That's huge, you know, and he's a phenomenal rebounder and he's really going to clean up for that team that's young and will make their mistakes around the offensive end. So I think Aiden should go to Detroit and they should just stick it out and that team could be a team for the future. Yeah, I agree. I think I think 
like I, I gave my praise to Troy Reaver earlier, but he's done a great job of reconstructing this Pistons team, getting rid of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and those guys from the HC Detroit Pistons, and really bringing in an influx of young talent that can make this team better now and for the future. So hats off to Detroit for acing this draft and really just having doing a great job of coming from the ashes. But moving on, who do you think who do you think was a loser in this draft? Who could have done things better? A loser? I think the Grizzlies um, are the strongest. I think the Knicks, sad to say, Ben, I know you love them. But I, I fully agree. Here. Yeah, um, there's a couple other losers as well. I think the Wizards didn't really do anything um, you know, all that crazy. They're like playing with you know their bones right now. I know you got Johnny Davis, but um, I'm not super high on him. I think he's neither am I, power honestly. Con- power conference player, but it's tough. And then Washington's playing with the whole idea of maybe Bradley Beal moving on and doing stuff. So I definitely think the Knicks, Wizards, and uh, what else did I mention? Grizzlies. Grizzlies, yeah. I think those three teams didn't really add much to their things they didn't make the proper moves to assess their current situations especially the grizzlies too because they're kind of in a state where they could they could win they can win it all but they need to make very chess oriented plays to be able to fight the warriors and the mavs of the west yeah yeah detroit not detroit but uh memphis I mean, with them, I feel like they could have honestly tried to package those trades and trade for a more established player because right now they have a they have a deep roster. I don't think they really, I don't really think they really needed all these rookies because they got um they got a few rookies. They got a a few guys who I didn't really have in my draft board at least in the first round. They got a uh, Jake Laravia from Wake Forest, and they got David Roddy from Colorado State. Some guys who I think um I think they reached on a little bit. And they'll probably play in the G League for a little before coming up to the NBA. Yeah. But I think they could have just played their pieces, their cards better. I think initially some of their picks were all right. I like the Walker Kessler pick, you know, because currently at the five, you have Steve Walker Adams. Kessler is a, is a Minnesota Timberwolf. All these trades have been happening, yeah. man. No, no, no. I'm, I'm mentioning how he was traded to Minnesota. Oh, I think oh, they should have kept him. So the thing about it is. I think that would have been a great pickup for them because he's a phenomenal shot blocker. He, you know, he's going to work on his three-point shot and stuff like that, but he's athletic enough to, you know, have this nice pick and roll with Jaw and stuff like that. And Steven Adams, you know, is in like a what-if situation right now, and having a draft like Walker Kessler could be a great five and then Jaron Jackson at the four, but they traded him. Yeah, traded him. and Steven Adams, he, he's not getting any younger. He would have been a great replacement for him. Yeah, and I think he's young, he's hip, he would work with their kind of offense they've constructed in Memphis. I like that pick. Since they traded it, I consider them losers now. I just I just the Grizzlies aren't that strong to me. Yeah, to, yeah, this draft they didn't really get better. Like you, you when you go to the draft you wanna come out a better team than you did. I don't think they uh I don't think they came out a better team. What's weird to me about Memphis here is they also drafted initially Ty Ty Washington and then traded him, right? Correct? Ty Ty Washington was another player. He's He was a top 10 talent. Exactly. So you drafted potentially two phenomenal players in Ty Ty and Walker Kessler, and you proceed to trade them both when all mock drafts had you know rated those picks as A-pluses. And everybody was drooling over those two picks, and you proceed to trade those picks. For what, though? What? Two guys who 
weren't supposed to crack the first round. <laughs> exactly. So Memphis, this is a terrible loss for you guys. Like obviously the Knicks lost, but the Knicks are the Knicks. Ben, you know that we all. Know yeah. That. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get onto that in a little bit. That'll transition to a little bit of the free agency but part. But the thing about Memphis is they're in a situation where they can win now, but they're making decisions like this and playoffs they took steps forward but draft decisions like this only makes your team take steps back that's a problem that is a problem yeah i think i thought i thought memphis could have done a way better job this draft but unfortunately as a knicks fan i have to deal with this crap every year or most years at least um yeah the new york knicks uh messed up this draft they they had the 11th overall pick you had a you had a, a young strapping gentleman by the name of aj griffin sitting there at pick 11, you need a shooter. They need someone who, um, you know, he's a Duke guy. He's going to be cool with guys like RJ Barrett. And what do you do? You um, trade the you trade a, to- a lottery pick just to dump Kemba Walker's salary. What are you doing? Listen, I know you think Jalen Brunson is the second coming of Jesus Christ. You want to give him a four-year, $110 million contract. But listen... Instead of that, they could have, they could have, they didn't need to dump the 11th pick just to get rid of Kemba. Kemba, he's not making that much money. He's not making that $36 million salary he did with Boston. You could have traded him for, you could have given up maybe a second round pick or two just to dump him. But I just think Leon Rose did a terrible job with um, asset management. Sure, you got some first round picks back, but what are you going to do with those first round picks? Are you going to bank on them? Are you going to wait years to see if they, um, get you the prospects they wanted and maybe in a few years they'll develop in the stars or maybe are you going to try to package them in a trade are you going to package them in a trade to get a win now player like a donovan mitchell or bradley beal or someone like that i don't know but i was watching this draft live it was just a boneheaded decision by the knicks i think to trade out of the draft the first round entirely i think the knicks right now it's tough because Ever since Kyrie and KD not coming to New York, as in the Knicks, which we can also mention later because that's a whole drama in mm-hmm. itself, but at a later date or later today. But um, they struggle landing stars. It's weird because you have the cap space, you have the rich basketball history, you have the legendary venue that is Madison Square Garden you just can't seem to land the big guys and that's culture not, that's all culture yeah it, whether or not it's tensions with the owner because nobody likes the owner of course whether it's not being able to land a sufficient head coach for longer than five years whether it's you know just not having just guys who want to play basketball there it's tough but if i'm the new york knicks i have to look for a guy who is young now or a potential draft stud later. Remember, we have Victor Wembanyama coming up. And he is people say he's the best prospect since a certain man out of Akron by the name of LeBron James. So and he's certain to go first overall at this time next year. So we'll have to see the lucky team that lands him. Maybe it's the, the Knicks, about, maybe it's not. If the Knicks are in a situation, I think they have to keep RJ. It's the fundamental principle. They there. must you have to keep RJ. I think you have to try your best to pursue Zion Williamson because I know he loves New York. The way he talks about it, the way he loves playing in Madison Square Garden, you have to try to find a way to get him. 
you already have his two buddies, right? You have Cam. And you have RJ. Let's, you have RJ. Let's hope Cam obviously stays because there's talks of the Knicks trading him. I sure he hope he stays because we gave up a first-round pick to get him, so it doesn't make sense to trade him after a half-season, but you know New York's going to need Cam is a phenomenal athlete, and he needs a certain situation to thrive because we saw it at Duke. Remember when they came back from Louisville down like 30? I was about to mention that. He had a phenomenal game that game. He can be the next Paul George, you know, like like I'm talking healthy Paul George 24 on the cover of 2K16, young man, or 17. He could be that guy. RJ could be his own way, you know, and do his own thing. You have two out of the three puzzle pieces to have a strong connection, chemistry building that can last you the next decade. And I need the final Infinity guy. Stone without his eye see that other guy. Zion, when healthy, also with a good trainer, which I think he's getting his footing now, is a monster. Absolute freak. Monster. So right now, if I'm the Knicks, RJ's untouchable. Cam, you're going to need an insane deal to get him, so basically untouchable. Everybody else is expendable because they're not in a win-now state. So pursue Zion. Take this next season to tank somewhat if you don't get the Zion. Try to land at least pick one, two, or three. Because without Victor, it's still a great draft class coming up. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So they have to figure it out in New York. They have to figure it out. Because when the Knicks are good, life is good. It's that simple. Yep. And, you know, I the Knicks, I, unfortunately, I know they're not going to tank. That's just as long as Tom Tibble is the coach, they're going to want to try to play to win obviously not a bad thing you never want to play to lose but a Thibodeau team is never gonna tank unfortunately and the Knicks I just they they're in this sort of dream cloud nine world that they think Jalen Brunson is gonna be the guy that takes them over the top and into the playoffs where they were last season and as much as I would love that to happen, I always like Jalen Brunson especially coming out of Nova and he's a New Jersey guy so but I don't I just I just don't want to overpay him and I just don't think he's going to be a huge huge difference maker like the Knicks brass thinks he is. Oh, I think he's going to be below average in New York because the only reason he succeeded in Dallas was of one man, Kodadjic. I'm a defense, right Ben? And I'm going up against a guy named Luka Dantich. I am throwing everything in the kitchen sink at that man. Yeah, you're not going to focus I, on Jalen Brunson when you have Luka. When I perform an action like that to f- focus the defense to a player-oriented base defense, other guys are going to have their moments, right? You know, there was games in the season where Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, Jalen Brunson several times had great games because everybody was focused on Luka. If Jalen Brunson somehow lands in New York, he's the guy. And that means that Jalen Brunson is going to be targeted, meaning he's going to have career lows. Which is scary. I'm just terrible, and his plus minus is going to go way down because obviously your plus minus is going to be somewhat high when Luca's on the court because he just does Luca things. He's Luca magic, you know. So Jalen Brunson is not that guy. He he was great in his role that they had in Dallas, where he's behind a guy, sometimes shares the court with him. He is not that guy, and I don't know what New York sees in him. Um, if this somehow happens and New York proves me wrong, great. 
realistically, this is not the way to go. This is not. He's not the guy to lead a team. He's the guy to play second or third string. I mean, he kind of led that Nova, you know, team to the natty, but he didn't show up for the final. Not at all. That's why he's that's partially why he fell. Exactly. So Jalen is not that guy. He's simply a guy that you want to back up your stars. He isn't the star. Nah, but yeah, Brunson is not that guy. And if I was New York, I would have looked. I'm, I would look somewhere else for point guard. I would have loved to try to trade for Malcolm Brogdon during the draft. I think he's a better player than Brunson personally when healthy, but that didn't happen. And also, a certain other point guard has been linked to the New York Knicks, a certain mercurial talent, but someone who's one of the best basketball players alive when he's on the court, and that is uh, Uncle Drew, Kyrie Irving. Uh the whole Kyrie saga is insane. And I know in our first pilot episode, God bless, you know, we're on, what is this three now for, um, we talked about how Kyrie is probably one of the most talented pound for pound basketball players. This game has ever seen. I saw him on TV. I've seen him live and it's no different in between them. It's like a wizard with the ball, a magician with cards, an absolute maestro of the rock. And, it's sad to see that he can't find a home since Cleveland, constantly battling, um, you know, vaccine stuff and, you know, certain environments where he has to be the leader and he can't be the leader and on and off the court, whatever. I know one thing's for sure. If he ends up a Nick, that is like the place for a ball player like him to be. It's, I mean, it's perfect. He's, I know, he, I know since, uh, in 2017, back when he requested a trade from Cleveland, the Knicks were one of his four teams on his wish list. And he didn't get, and Boston wasn't on his wish list at all. And it looks like he hated it in Boston a little bit. And obviously, he spurned the Knicks to play with his buddy Kevin Durant in Brooklyn in 2019. But I know, and I know a bunch of Knicks fans don't want Kyrie. He's, um, he's not committed to the game of basketball, he's a team cancer. But. Let me tell you something. When you have a healthy Kyrie Irving, it's going to make your team so much better. Kyrie would have been, would be the best player on this Knicks team since Carmelo Anthony got traded back in 2011. And let me tell you something. I think Kyrie Irving would be the in in the Mecca would be the ultimate villain story in the NBA cuz a lot of people don't like Kyrie and him being in New York, it's just going to it's going to make for a fun story. Yeah, you know, for sure. And it's like the history of basketball in New York, even though it's not rich professionally, you still have legendary places like the Rucker and so many legends coming out of New York. I think it's just, if he somehow ends up in New York and New York also pursues a younger guy, imagine, Ben, imagine having like an all Duke starting five if they somehow get Zion as well. That would be insane. Listen, that's that's a pipe dream for me. That is a pipe dream for Knicks fans plausible because if Kyrie think about Kyrie right now his contract is interesting because isn't it true that if he was somehow moved the team that he's moved to is only paying him six million dollars because of the exemption or whatever it's called exception I don't know I I think it's something I think it's something like that actually but most teams are gonna teams are gonna have to trade um some contracts again and luckily for the Knicks Thanks to um last offseason, they'd have a couple con- 
couple of smaller contracts, but still a decent-sized contract they could trade to the Brooklyn Nets. And now, thanks to trading out of the draft, you have draft picks to try to give to Brooklyn for Kyrie. But it all depends... The draft picks that Brooklyn lost for trading for guys like KD and Kyrie and all those other guys. And now, all it comes down to is, are you... Do you think Kyrie is going to be? Do you think Kyrie is going to be committed to playing basketball full time? Because if That's he's because if you don't think he is, you're not going to trade for him. He's the biggest what if in basketball right now because I don't know if his head is on the NBA. His head could be on his son, daughter, kids. I don't know what he has his current family situation. It could be on civil you know rights issues. It could be on COVID still. We don't know where his head is at because yeah. he's such a big what if. He's not very public about his stuff. I mean, I know he did that slight podcast interview with LaShawn McCoy and a variety of other athletes, but that's the thing. But I also see him going to LA. Uh, that would be uh, that would be a little scary for the NBA and it would be a little bit of poetic, poetic justice if he's back with LeBron. Because I think there's only one man on planet Earth that could somewhat control Kyrie and has Kyrie's respect as of you know I know right now that's LeBron James because the thing about his Cleveland departure you know we have so many why he did it but I think the biggest reason is he wanted to be his own man he wanted to be his own leader or whatever and he got that opportunity in Boston it was him and a bunch of young studs a young Jalen Brown and even younger Jason Tatum and Al Horford you know being somewhat you know unbouncy he had that situation and he failed and I heard from several reports that he did contact LeBron as of late to, you know, make amends and be like, listen, I apologize. I know what it takes to be a leader, and I don't think I can be that guy. I can just see it, like you said beautifully, Ben, poetic justice, him going right back to his partner in crime. Because I think he's the greatest Robin this game has ever seen, but he'll never be a good Batman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I totally see what you mean. And the reports have said he's willing to take a pay cut to come to LA. And hopefully um other teams don't let that happen because the Lakers are gonna be a scary team if LeBron and A D and Kyrie all stay healthy. That team is they're automatic championship contenders. The thing about it is if they do acquire all three and they all remain healthy because obviously AD is, as Charles Barkley would say, Anthony street clothes because he's always in, you know, on the bench in street clothes and LeBron obviously getting up there in age. And we've actually seen him sustain a couple of injuries, especially that groin one that, keep, you know, seems to be reoccurring. Mm-hmm. Um, they all remain healthy. They also can just fill out the rest of the roster with just solid vets and, you know, just like role player guys. And that team is very dangerous. Yeah, that team, if Kyrie goes to LA, NBA, watch out. But if Kyrie leaves, you know what team isn't going to be scary anymore? The Brooklyn Nets. And I'm so, I'm happy about that. It's funny. I have a, a friend of mine um, who's a huge Brooklyn Nets fan. And he was so excited to see this team assembled but I wonder what it feels like now, just seeing it being dismantled. And and how long has it been since these both these gentlemen were acquired? It's not even two years, right? Not even three years, yeah. So it's so funny how this happened, especially with the addition of James Harden. Everybody was like, what's going to go I on? I think that Harden addition really messed everything up. Yeah, no, it, it definitely did. And it was like everybody was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? But now that we look at it, we can just laugh. Because it proves the old adage that you just can't buy a championship 
team. Look, yeah, look. I mean, look at Brooklyn back in 2019 bef- during the regular season. I remember they were 10 games below 500 at the midseason mark, and the young core of D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen pushed that team to the sixth seed. And that team was on the rise, and a year late, a year and a half later, all those guys were gone. That team was fun to watch too. Amazing the dancing team. on the bench with Jared Dudley, Jared Dudley, and um, Theo Pinson, all those guys. That, that's a team that if you just keep for the long haul, they will win something. That's not just a team. That's a brotherhood. That's a family. That, that is team. A, it's a family. It is a family, not bound by bud, but it's bound by basketball, okay? That's what that is. It's sad that Brooklyn was willing to let that go. Just for some, what, some ticket sales, ticket sales for the bigger names? Yeah, for two guys that, one, failed in Boston, and one is coming off or coming from a team that is arguably the greatest team ever assembled. No, so that's the thing. It's like, what are they gonna do? It's also you paid these guys everything. So since you paid those guys everything, this is the NBA. No, this is the NBA. They have teams. You have to pay a team. You can't pay two guys and expect the rest of your rookie minimum vet contracts to work out. It doesn't work that way. No, and. It's just a mess, and it was the stupidest decision, honestly, in recent history in the NBA. Them to let go of that team they had in Brooklyn back in 2019 to just flood it with two obviously Hall of Famers and great athletes, but nothing more than that. Yeah, and look, Brooklyn ha- and Brooklyn, even with all this talent assembled, they've in the past two seasons, two and a half seasons, they have had three first ballot Hall of Famers on the team, and all they have to show for it is one playoff series win. One. It's sad. It's so sad, Ben. And, you know, I think Brooklyn's always in a tough spot because I went to a couple of Brooklyn Nets games this, this season. I even went to the one where it was the Warriors at Nets. It was, like, the biggest game of the year, and it was awesome seeing Curry drop 37, whatever. But, you know, I can go Google Gaga another time. Every time I've been in that venue, Brooklyn Nets fans are in the minority. That's that's what I've noticed. You know, even even watching the playoffs back in 2019, Barclays Center was flooded with Brooklyn fans. I remember there was a loud. Back when they played the Sixers, it was always loud. The defense chants were amazing, and in the playoffs in 2021 and 2022, these fans were dead, dead silent. It's, it's, it's crazy. I don't think they have a strong fan base at, since 2019. I went to the Warriors game. I saw more gold than black. Went to a Celtics game, which they were all injured, mind you. The arena was mostly empty, and I saw more green than green than gray. I even went to a Trailblazers game where Dame was injured, and I felt like I saw more red, and, red than black. Truth he, is with Brooklyn, they're, I mean, this has nothing to do with really the Knicks and I mean, it has a little bit to do with the Knicks in general, but not really. Um, actually, no. This is a, what am I saying? This is a lot to do with the famous. The the Nets in New York are always going to be the little brother to the Knicks, no matter how good they are, no matter how bad the Knicks are. They're always going to be their little brother, second fiddle to that team, and that's why they have a lack of fans. I don't know, but honestly, just like the difference, the difference in fans 
in Brooklyn from 2019 to now, it's it's staggering. And the and it shows in ticket prices too. Like you can buy Brooklyn Nets tickets for five dollars. It's incredibly cheap. And I talk with my parents all the time about like you know going to see NBA games because I love going to them. And I just know every time, no matter who the opponent is, it could be Michael Jordan somehow. Brooklyn Nets tickets are going to be way cheaper than Knicks tickets. And obviously, that's more of a Knicks fault because Madison Square Garden is insanely expensive. It's we know Very this. expensive. But that venue, no matter how bad they are, or no matter how bad their butt is being whooped by the opposition, Madison Square Garden is always filled with hungry, happy fans, regardless of the outcome, because that's a fan base. That's that's, that's New York. That's meant. That's, that's the Knicks. Brooklyn lacks. Brooklyn lacks that. Yeah, they'll the Knicks. Knicks fans will be paying seven dollars for their waters, and they'll be paying fifteen dollars for a hot dog, and they'll all still be in the stands, even if it's the last game of it, last game of a seventeen and sixty-five season for the Knicks, and they'll still be in the stands cheering their team on. The thing is, I remember in the first part of the season when Side Talk New York, you know, covered the win over Boston or whatever it was, they were chanting like New York, and you saw just like that the fans going crazy, still doing FU Trey Young chants, even though they didn't even face the Atlanta Hawks. New York Knicks create basketball culture. Coming from a Warriors fan, coming from a basketball fan, coming from a sports fan in general. I really hope the Knicks get to win a championship as soon as possible because the things that that city deserves it because New York is always going to be the limelight because it's debatably the the greatest city on earth, right? The top three in every it probably yeah city. probably is it's the most well known city in the world. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and I would love. You already have Macy's Day Parade. You already have all these venues that happen. I want to see a championship parade in that city. Listen, not if we're talking New York City, the biggest or any any city, the biggest championship parade in any sport would be a New York Knicks championship. Be the biggest, loudest, rambunctious parade full of hungry New Yorkers or New Jerseyers like myself. Non-Knicks fans in New York will be there to celebrate because it's just a monumental achievement. When was the last time the Knicks even went to the finals? The Knicks no. haven't the Knicks haven't been in the finals since 1999 and since then they've made it to the second round of the playoffs 3 3 times. Sad but and yeah, as a Knicks fan and I think a lot of NBA fans in general, I think they want the Knicks to be Back to that glory stage, and Even LeBron yeah. himself has said it. Yeah, LeBron. Yeah, LeBron loves it when MSG is rocking. It's the greatest venue on earth, Ben, and it deserves to have a trophy banner hang. It doesn't have dust and soot on it from the seventies. Deserves to be made of today's linen and today's year right across. But we won't see that sadly soon. I couldn't agree more, and hopefully, if the th- if the if the team is run right, hopefully that happens sooner than later. It's it only takes it only takes a few moves to uh, create a contender. That's that's all I'm saying. Got to start from the ground up, and you gotta gotta trust the process, baby. That's what we see from Golden State. And that's what we saw from Boston this year, 
and a lot of other teams could follow that. Um, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets um, could have followed that, but you know, um, duty calls for um, trying to get Kyrie and KD say they want to come to Brooklyn. Of course. All right, we're gonna we're gonna end this um, right now. We're running a little short on time, but as always, had a great time discussing um, basketball with you, Tyler. As always, Ben, this has been an absolute pleasure of mine. And, um, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully breaking out a little bit of free agency and uh, talking, a lot, talking a little bit of baseball, too, a little bit of new um, influx of sports coming in. So um, have, a, have a good week, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Peace out.